Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, what's up? It's Nolan from Past Gas by Donut Media. We are an automotive history show. This week, we're talking the life story of Gilles Villeneuve, Canada's most important Formula One driver, This guy is a national hero up there and truly one of the greats taken from us too soon. He started out racing snowmobiles when he was a teenager. He invented one of the most important snowmobile innovations ever, which is crazy for a Formula One driver to do, and eventually became just one of the most legendary drivers of the 1970s. This guy raced for such a short time, but had such a large impact, and it was super cool to talk about a Quebecois racing legend. That's Past Gas by Dona Media, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Number one automotive podcast, Past Gas. The drive from Sydney, Australia to Bathurst is a beauty. Picturesque views of the Megalong Valley, the cliffs of the Blue Mountains, an evolving landscape that shifts from the city to expansive suburbs and beyond. In this region of Australia, there are still deposits of malachite, a mineral often smelted to make copper. But to some people, malachite has a more metaphysical use. Some people believe the vibrant green mineral can help its wearer sleep and even ward off evil spirits. One of these people is famed Australian race car driver, Peter Brock. Peter Brock won the Bathurst 1000 a record nine times while driving for Holden, a subsidiary of General Motors. Over the course of Brock's illustrious career, his name was practically synonymous with Holden, but it wouldn't be that way forever. Within months of Peter's 1987 win, Holden would completely sever ties with their marquee racer over a curious modification that was added to their standard HDT director model. The Energy Polarizer, a box of crystals and magnets that Peter famously claimed was a magic cure that could make a shithouse car good. How did Peter Brock, a true wrencher, come to embrace the new age? Why did this racing legend, who had spent a lifetime gaining the trust and loyalty of an Australian autosports powerhouse like Holden, Risk it all for a box of crystals. Who is to blame? Today on Past Gas, it's the very true story of Peter Brock and his energy polarizer. Past Gas Podcast. It's about cars, it's not about ports. Oh, no. 
Arner. Arner. Nar. Arner. I feel like an energy polarizer uh, would be very popular in West Los Angeles these days. People love their crystals. People love setting their rocks out in the full moonlight. You walk down Vermont Avenue, there's six stores that sell energy polarizers. I know a few energy polarizers. Oh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People with very polarizing energies. Energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of them in this very room. Yeah, <laughs> Present he, company included. When he just when he gets near me, I just get really tired. <laughs> I get really dry and itchy. Yeah. Oh, I'm so real, dry right now. Real uh emotional vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of smelting, are you still trying to get back into smelting, James? Yeah, I'm starting a smelting company called He Who Smelt It Dealt It. <laughs> nice, and that's a one-stop shop. You can buy there. Uh, just smelting supplies, smelting yeah stuff. It's yeah, so crucibles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I smelt it. I dealt it. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> smelt and dealt. Um. Smeltanddealt.com for all your smelting needs. <laughs> Welcome back to Pass Gas, everybody. Uh, I guess this is a crystal and magnet show today. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about that. My name is Nolan Sykes, joined as always by my co-hosts. We got James Pumphrey over there. Oh, no. <laughs> and Joe Weber. What's up, Slug Nation? Good to see you. <laughs> uh, up top, I just want to do a little promo for the Donut Racing Show, if you haven't listened yeah. to that yet. Uh, it's hosted by myself and Alanis King and Elizabeth Blackstock. They've both written a book on formula one it's called racing with rich energy go ahead and buy yourself that book right now it's a good fiasco story if you're into fiascos Um, but you know every after every race weekend an episode comes out so please listen if you haven't already while we're recording this episode the japanese grand prix is about to happen and we'll be covering that with a plum so go ahead and check out donut racing show um yeah let's talk about this we've had a lot of requests for this subject here peter brock yeah uh he's like the jeff gordon and dale earnhardt mixed into one of australia uh-huh. basically so a lot of you aussie listeners have been clamoring for this one clamoring it more than a kangaroo wants a jar of vegemite <laughs> um that's how much you guys have been wanting this one. he says don't spit it like jam it's supposed to be thin <laughs> <laughs> i bet i'd love vegemite oh yeah yeah, that's like one of those things you heard about when you're a kid, and you're like, "That's not it's it's disgusting. It's got to be mm-hmm. terrible." And then, like when you're an adult, you're probably like, "Yeah, I could I could get into this." Yeasty. Yeah, I love a savory spread. Yeah, you're about you love your savory foods. I love yeah. gross shit. Yeah, <laughs> you were you were on a sardine kick for a while, right? Anchovy. Yeah, I used to pound choves. <laughs> pound choves. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, I just open up that jar and pound a chove. Ooh. And then your body's like, no more, please. Please, no more chose. <laughs> yeah. You can't handle sodium. Well, awesome. Let's get into it. Peter Brock, known by his friends as Brocky or Peter Perfect, okay, was born on February 26, 1945. He lived most of his life in an outer suburb of Melbourne called Hurstbridge, where his fascination with cars began at a young age like many subjects of this show. In fact, Peter bought his first car at age 12. It was a 1938 Austin 7 for about $10, which is about $67 in 2022, adjusting for inflation. Peter immediately tore the Austin apart with his mother's axe so that, quote, all that remained were the chassis rails, engine, driveline, steering wheel, and a plank of wood that served as a seat. 
Peter, <laughs> Peter then rebuilt the engine and allegedly removed the brakes entirely and thus began a love affair with both car modifications and racing. Man, can you imagine buying a car for 67 bucks? I'd tear that thing apart with an axe. <laughs> yeah. Peter was drafted into the Australian Army in 1965 during the height of the Vietnam War. His opposition to the war may have led to him being placed in the medical corps where he was an ambulance driver. He spent his two years of service in the Blamey Barracks near Wagga Wagga. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. In New South Wales. According to his brother, Lewis, quote, Peter and his friends used to race the ambulances around the base. During a leave Mate. (laughs) It's just a British accent, but you say mate, so it's all right. During a leave from the Army, Peter went to watch the 500-mile production car race that would later turn into the Bathurst 1000, thereby cementing his decision to pursue racing once he got out of the Army. Peter made his debut at the Bathurst 500 in 1969. Nice. Though the race was known that year as the Hardy Ferrodo 500. (laughs) You've got some Ferrodo. I got some Ferrodo brake pads on my WRX. That's right, my WRX. If you want to learn more about my WRX and Nolan's WRX, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we're building a couple of them. Have you seen the wraps yet, or is that going to be a surprise for you? I saw them yesterday. Okay. What do you think? I like Nolan's. Mm. I like yours. Mine looks a little momish. It's a bit momish. Yeah. It's like Chrysler Cirrus color. Mm-hmm. It looks like it belongs in like a cross track. <laughs> yeah, but you don't see that car with that color, and that's why I think it's cool. Yeah, I think I could have gone a little bit more steezy. Did you pick that color? Uh-huh. Well, I was talking to Redpath yesterday on our way home, and I was saying that it really fits. Like, you guys have very discerning taste, you and Job. Yeah. And I think with the wheels and with the further modifications we're going to be making to it, I think it's going to look it's going to look really cool. That yeah. Color. Right now, it's a little outbacky. Yes. Yeah. The 500 was a touring car race held at Mount Panorama Circuit just outside Bathurst and originally ran for 500 miles before it was extended in 1973 to 1,000 kilometers or 621.4 miles in 1973. <laughs> the race quickly grew in popularity with drivers, the public, and car manufacturers themselves since the cars raced had to be identical to those available on the showroom floor. In short, the Bathurst was easy marketing for car companies. As many of these races are. Mm-hmm. You race on Sunday, sell on Monday. Race on Sunday, sell on Monday. Or Tuesday. We're open for seven days a week. Yeah, you don't have to make a decision, but we'd love if you'd made a decision. Yeah, please. What do I got to do to get you in one of these cars? Did you see him at Bathurst? <laughs> did you see him Did you see him at the Hardy Ferrodo 500? Dude, sure did. When, I, when I leased my Subaru years ago, they I was like, they advertised $120 a month mm-hmm. for a lease. And I was like, that's the price I'm getting. I don't need a car right now. You know, I'm gonna, I can sit here all day. They kept bringing in bigger and wider guys <laughs> that said less <laughs> and had more rings on their hands wow. to be like, I can, best I could do is 175. And I was like, nope. And then he'd leave. This guy would come in. <laughs> I'm not even, wide enough. Yeah, even wider with more rings on his fingers. I don't have enough rings. Give a little chuckle and be like, best I can do is 140. The widest man I've ever seen came in. <laughs> Did you get it for 120? Yes. Hell yeah, Joe. Nice, dude. Yeah. You, you're not intimidated by rings? No. Or width? 
or weight. <laughs> <laughs> it's girth I'm scared about. <laughs> Peter Brock's debut race saw him driving a Holden HT Monero GTS Ooh. 350, which ran with a Chevrolet 350 cubic inch V8. Holden Monero GTS 350. Again, a British accent. So yeah. many numbers and letters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. The car was Holden's response to Ford's famous XW Falcon GTHO Phase 1. Get the heck out, Phase 1. Yeah, get the heck out of here, Phase 1. Which was also released in 1969. Nice. By the end of the race, Peter and his partner, Des West, came in third. Peter was hooked. Des West is a sick name. Des West doesn't need a nickname like Peter Perfect. Yeah. Or Brocky. Brocky. Brocky's a cool name, though. Yeah. Rocky. He was probably a little disappointed when Rocky came out. Yeah, he's like, oh, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Peter's first win at Bathurst would come three years later in 1972 when he drove a Holden LJ Tirana GTRXU-1 to victory. Come on. <laughs> the 1972 Bathurst was the first to be run in the rain, which ultimately worked to Peter's advantage as we've seen quite a bit on this show. He was the only driver running a six-cylinder among a bevy, a literal bevy of V8s. We just got a bevy machine in our office. Yeah, we got a bevy. It's okay. As Holden would not introduce an eight-cylinder until two years later. The rain acted as a kind of equalizer against the more powerful V8s, with some spinning out within the first lap. Peter's race was a masterclass in driving skill versus raw power, defying the no replacement for displacement colloquialism. You know, maybe it was for the, maybe they didn't put a V8 in the Toronto because, as we just read, the Monaro had that 350. Yeah. yeah. For the next 15 years, Peter Brock would create records that continue to stand at Bathurst to this day, forever linking the legend with the raceway. For example, in the 1979 Bathurst, Peter won the race by six laps. Oh, my God. And created a record that is almost guaranteed to stay intact since this race was before the introduction of pace cars. Mm. Peter also set the circuit lap record for touring cars in the final lap of the race. A lap record that stood for three years until he himself beat it in 1982. Peter is still the most successful racer at Bathurst with nine total wins in 15 active years. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. The foot-and-a-half-tall trophy is even named after him, the original king of the mountain. Hey, did you see me Brocky over there? I got a Brocky. <laughs> we have a Viddy and a Streamy. <laughs> we need to get that Brocky. Yeah, we got to get a Brocky. ASAP Brocky. ASAP Brocky. <laughs> the Sandown 500, the traditional lead-up race to Bathurst, was also a proving ground for Peter where he once again holds the record for most wins at nine. At this track, he also holds the record for most consecutive wins in a row with seven from 1975 to 1981. While Peter didn't actively seek a racing career outside of Australia, he did compete. He drove an LC Tirana. <laughs> he drove an LC Tirana GTR XU-1 in the 1971 Macau Grand Prix and finished second in a race where he may have been the only racer legitimately driving a strict production car. According to HDT boss Harry Firth, the team considered it pretty damn rude that the majority of the cars had been clearly and in some cases extravagantly modified despite the race's regulations. You know what they say, if you're, if you're not last, you're Firth. 
the uh, Macau Grand Prix is still famously a shit show pretty much every year. There's always like a huge crash. The course is very tight and very narrow. Um, it's like a casino town, right? Yep. Big time casino town. Big, big time gambling town. It seems like the closest to like a Star Wars gambling planet <laughs> that, I, yeah. that I could think of on Earth. That's true. It's crazy they have entire planets dedicated to gambling. Yeah, and the and space jazz. Yeah, which they call jizz. Jizz. Yeah. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> uh, hello. <laughs> Peter also attempted the 24 hours of Le Mans three times, but was never able to finish the race. His 1976 attempt lasted 17 hours before the head gasket of his BMW 3.0 CSL blew. That's a cool car. A lot of letters. This car really rules. His second attempt in 1981 in a Porsche 924 Carrera GTR was cut as they were named as reserves before the race. His final attempt in 1984 saw him driving a Porsche 924 Carrera GTR with his partner, Larry Perkins, but Perkins crashed in on lap 145. Perkins, oh, come on. Chris. Perkins. Oh, no. Oh, no, Perkins. Hello? <laughs> I crashed the car. <laughs> oh, no. In 1980, Peter took over the Holden dealer team, which was Holden's semi-official racing team that turned into a fully official team once their star driver took over. Peter not only drove for Holden, but would also help design and execute high-performance modifications to their production cars with the ultimate goal to create world-class Australian cars that could compete with the likes of BMW and Mercedes. To his credit, Peter did succeed in moving quite a few Holden Commodores, likely because people saw what he could do with them on a racetrack. But it wasn't long before his modifications got a little woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. After returning from the 1984 Le Mans, Peter was noticeably gaunt and miserable. His taxing travel schedule on top of his drinking and pack-a-day cigarette habit not to mention probable fiberglass poisoning from years of car manufacturing, were starting to take a toll on the racer's 40-year-old body and mind. While it is not surprising to hear the story of a hard-living race car driver from the 70s, Peter Brock was not like the rest. Peter Brock was built different. I'm built different. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm built different, mate. I huff gasoline. <laughs> Brock was introduced to a local chiropractor, one Dr. Eric Dowker, through his longtime partner, Beverly Bev McIntosh. Dowker, whose doctor credentials, those are in quotations, were apparently self-appointed. Dr. Dowker. I'm a doctor. Uh, Dr. Dowker... Dr. Dowker first started to care for Peter in the ways of many actual doctors by looking at his lifestyle and habits. Dowker quickly had Peter quit smoking, switch to a vegetarian diet, and significantly cut back on his alcohol consumption. You know, that's pretty sound. That's sound advice. Good, yeah. Sound health advice right there. Good job, I'm, Dowker. I'm predicting that we're going to take a turn. Yeah. I bet this Dowker gets weird. <laughs> the results were fairly significant. Peter bounced back to fighting form and felt spectacular. Had this been the extent of the relationship, you would have to argue it was positive. But then, Dowker started showing up everywhere Peter Here comes went. the turn. To the point that it became noticeable to Peter's teammates and coworkers. And what was also becoming noticeable were all the crystals. Hey, is that, uh, is that Dowker over there? Uh, what's Dowker doing here? <laughs> Dowker. Dowker. Gotta elongate your vowels if you're gonna do an Australian accent. That was horrible. Yeah, that, was really <laughs> that was like a Boston guy moves to Australia hey. for six months. <laughs> yeah, it's like a guy from Boston went traveled abroad, studied abroad. Yeah, I'll show you. When I lived in Australia, <laughs> he says the R word too much. That is pretty bad. Um, as it turns out, a big part of Dowker's chiropractic treatment of Peter was energy healing. And Peter was convinced that it had worked. Part of this energy healing was a belief in the use of crystals. Again, this would be all fine and good, but the new agey Dowker's influence began to be felt by Peter's longtime pals at HDT. From John Harvey, and this, is, this quote is from John Harvey, an HDT driver and peer. Quote, My first indication that there was something, well, not odd, but just a bit different was when people dangling crystals into cups of tea over meals. I thought, what's going on here? <laughs> and so did a few other people, mate. <laughs> we thought it was harmless if people wanted to believe in crystals for whatever reason. Who cares? Then it developed a bit further than that. <laughs> the first indication I had was it was having some influence on the racing team. I was, I think, Larry and Neil <laughs> Burns found crystals either strapped to or located on the engine dyno and or on the engines themselves, mate. Pass me that, Fosters. <laughs> Fosters, that's a... Talk about girth, Joe. They don't actually drink it down there, though. Uh, they that's... drink bubkins. Uh, bubkins? <laughs> bubkins beer. <laughs> It's brewed in a kangaroo's belly. <laughs> <laughs> However, the use of crystals were at first overlooked, since Peter and Bev were incredibly well-loved by their community. Quote, No matter what you might say about the stories you hear of his lifestyle, it was something very special. They genuinely cared, not just for the people with whom they were involved or relied on. That would be too easy, too self-centered. They cared for humanity as a whole, mate. <laughs> This kind of affection from Alan Moffat, another Australian Racing Hall of Famer, shows how forgiving Peter's peers and employers were of his personal peccadilloes becoming increasingly more public. 
But what no one had realized was just how far down the rabbit hole Peter Brock had gone. Dowker had impressed upon Peter the concept of orgone energy, a pseudo-scientific concept similar to life force. May the force be with you. I listen to jizz. <laughs> <laughs> Disruptions or issues with a person's orgone energy were the cause of most maladies, according to believers. Though this theory had been debunked in the 40s and 50s by legitimate scientists, orgone had taken hold in New Age circles. This concept, along with crystals, was part of the seemingly holistic approach the chiropractor had taken to relieve Peter of his ailments, which were seemingly both physical and mental. As noted, the most likely benefits were found in the changes in diet and lifestyle, but Peter was still sold on Dowker's entire approach. Together, they developed an idea to utilize these very non-scientific concepts on the cars Peter was creating for oh, Holden. hell yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm into this. <laughs> the energy polarizer was introduced to David Siegel, a media PR person for HDT, after the Spa 24-hour race in Belgium in 1986. While Seagal was dimly aware of the energy polarizer after seeing it in a brochure for the upcoming Holden model Peter was working on, he was invited to see its power by Peter himself the day after the race. With Seagal driving his Opel Cadet, Peter wanted to show him the tangible difference in the car's driving before and after installation of the polarizer. So they set off for the Belgian woods, as one does, with Eric Dowker or Dr. Feelgood. He's the one who's going to make you feel good. As he was known to the rest of the HGT team in tow. As Seagal waited, Peter attached the polarizer to the engine bay firewall. The energy polarizer was, quite simply, a metal box of crystals and magnets submerged in resin and mounted to the bulkhead with a single <laughs> screw. Okay. What a nut. Okay. Hey, whatever works for you, you know? Yeah. As Peter finished his installation, Dowker attached a sticker to the rear window. When Seagal asked what the sticker was, Dowker told him it was like an antenna for the polarizer. <laughs> Seagal naturally pointed out that the polarizer was in no way connected to the sticker, to which Dowker replied, They don't need to be. They're connected by orgone energy, mate. After installing the polarizer and its antenna, Peter told Seagal to let the car idle for 20 minutes to uh, allow the, quote, molecules to align, hmm. and then proceeded to release some pressure in the tires. Hmm. Seagal noticed no difference, but appeased Peter by saying the car seemed to handle a little bit better. That's probably the change in tire pressure. Yeah. That's called enabling. The energy polarizer itself was a small metal box about, quote, the size of a cigarette packet filled with crystals and magnets in a resin. Peter and Dowker claimed it was a high-technology energy device which creates a polarized or ordered molecule arrangement as distinct from the normal random structure. Hmm. This alters the characteristics of material and components in the vehicle. Hmm. It almost sounds convincing. Uh-uh. <laughs> they also claim that this box of crystals and magnets would improve fuel performance, reduce overall vehicle noise, absorb road shocks more completely and quietly, and achieve greater efficiency on the powertrain and steering systems. How? Well... By aligning the molecules of the car, of course. The molecules are already aligned, though. Like, you look yeah. at metallurgy in all these pieces, and, yeah, some of them are going to have different grain structure. Yeah. Some of them are going to have different alignment. Like, yeah. forged metals are going to have a more packed structure where uh, flow form stuff is going to be a little bit sparsely. 
it doesn't make sense. You got Listen, your Cohen, I feel structure. like I feel like your molecules are a little out of alignment. They've been aligned yeah. for 30 years now. Uh, this is what's so this is what's so frustrating about people like Dowker is like they they set you off on the right foot. Like they got Peter, they they got him to quit smoking. They yeah, got him to quit down great. on the drinking. They got him to vegetarian. Like he's feeling great. Whatever Dowker is going to tell him next, he's going to believe because mm-hmm. he's already got him on the right track. Right. Yeah. It always starts with a grain of truth and then splinters out from there. Well, what do you think Dowker's MO is? You think he's going to try to get what money his from intentions him? are? Well, yeah. I mean, he's we probably have a narcissist. Bit of a narcissist, but also he's found this guy who's a famous figure in Australia. Yeah. He's like, okay, if I can get this guy on board, I can expand my brand, expand my reach. And sell my make, crystals sell all my over crystals. the world. He's probably trying to like brand. He's probably got his own crystal brand. And you know? yeah, since since Brocky is traveling around the world, yes. doctor's like, well, why don't I come with you? And then he gets to sell his yeah. wares in and every. Gets, it's fun country. to be a celebrity's friend. I mean, you guys are friends with me. It's pretty fun, yeah, right? That's how, yeah, it's that's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal Brand is what I want to name my daughter. Crystal Brand Pumphrey. Lovely. Okay. The fact that it was simply a box of crystals screwed to the bulkhead and that there were no wires connecting the polarizer to the mechanics of the car or any other part of the car did not phase Peter. As he claimed it needed only orgone energy to connect it with the car and create a completely different driving experience. What had made those around Peter Brock so loyal was his personality, but what made him a legendary driver was his ruthless belief in both his abilities and his instincts. The energy polarizer was most people's first glimpse at the side of Peter, usually contained in the inside of the cockpit during a race. His absolute and fierce determination to win was, of course, not limited to races. This new technology and the car upon which it came standard were also challenges the Hall of Famer would persevere through and bring across the finish line. This shit came on a car you buy. <laughs> That's insane, dude. It's got an energy polarizer on it. I want one. <laughs> that would be a fun little artifact to have. Mm-hmm. The polarizer itself was known in whispers among auto journalists and others who just dismissed it as a harmless detour in Peter and Holden's pursuit of greatness. However, it would soon create a dangerous situation that ended a long-term relationship and revealed the cracks in Holden's trust in Brock. At first, Brock and Dowker kept the addition of the crystals to the HDT cars a secret, but it wasn't long before people started to notice them. HDT driver John Harvey said, quote, I was practicing for a touring call round at the Sandown 500, and I was just at the end of the back straight, and I lifted off the throttle and went for the brakes to head down through the S's when I felt something bang my foot. <laughs> I knew it was metal, and my first reaction was that one of the mechanics had left a screwdriver or a spanner or something in the car. It ended up rolling into the cockpit area. What Harvey had actually discovered flying around the cockpit was not a screwdriver or a spanner, but an energy (laughs) polarizer. And while he was willing to laugh it off, Larry Perkins was not. Perkins was a longtime teammate of Peter's, who also happened to be the chief engineer in charge of race car preparation for HDT. This means he was the guy who had to sign off on the car's safety before the drivers could compete. Perkins was already frustrated with Peter, since he and Dowker had begun lowering the tire pressure in the HDT cars, claiming it helped the polarizer work better. And now, 
Perkins' fear that this useless box could get wedged under a brake pedal drove him to confront Peter about the energy polarizer. And of course, like any true believer, Peter sided with his guru, and Perkins was fired. Wow. It's like some cult stuff. What the heck does this Dowker guy know about racing? Nothing. Nothing. <clears throat> Not a dang thing. Not a dang thing. That's for gosh darn sure. This right here was the moment that Holden became more interested in what was going on with Peter and Holden's dealer team. Holden was already getting a little nervous and frustrated with their star. Peter's newest model, the HDT Director, was being designed and developed in almost total secrecy. And at this point, the company had never even seen the vehicle. Holden was ultimately responsible not just for the badge on the front, but also its safety and structure. Not only did the car not comply with Australian safety rules, none of Holden's engineers had ever seen or driven it. Holden's then director of sales and marketing, Rob McEnry, told Peter that if he proceeded with his plan to launch the director, the company would have no choice but to cut him loose. Holden gave Peter and Dowker an opportunity to explain the polarizer, which they did in a press release. This release, which must be read to believe, contained phrases like, the molecules are subject to a vibratory rate dictated by the polarizer, suggesting that this little box is somehow changing the vibration of the molecular structure of the car. The real issue with the press release, besides the pseudoscience, was that Peter and Dowker were also recommending some very unsafe practices to help the very fake crystal box work, namely lowering the pressure of the tires to 22 PSI. And in case you're not aware, 22 PSI is pretty close to a flat tire. Yeah. Unless you're off-roading, and then you get, get down to like 12. You can get, yeah, I mean, the tires on high truck can get down to like 5, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Ooh. Cool. That's beadlocks, baby. Beadlocks, baby. Beadlocks. <laughs> so I, I was just looking at HDT is what H, it, it became HSV. Oh, Holden okay. Special Vehicles okay. is their performance line. But Holden dealer team was the progenitor of that. Yeah. So this is this is like a homologation special. The director that we're talking about. The director. 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 So or director. Hello. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this super low tire pressure requirement obviously piqued the interest of Bridgestone, a longtime sponsor and partner of Holden. Holden tried to support Peter as best they could and even went as far to send the polarizer to Detroit for independent testing. The expensive results were conclusive. The polarizer did nothing. Hmm. But even when faced with the results, Peter rejected their findings. When it became apparent that Holden would not authorize the director, the car, Peter did something that ultimately led to the demise of their longtime partnership. He sent out press invitations for the unveiling of the director and removed the Holden badges from it entirely. Wow. The car was unlicensed, offered no warranty, and had not been certified as compliant with the Australian authorities. <laughs> it, could, it effectively could not be sold anywhere. The picture of Brock at the unveiling, in a tuxedo, leaning against a turquoise car, is as apt a picture of hubris one can find in Aussie motor racing. Although, it, I gotta say, it does looks pretty cool, though. I like this car. It's a... It's like a Volvo and an R32 had a baby. <laughs> kind of does have a Volvo kind of greenhouse roof looking thing. Yeah. Yeah, it looks it looks sick. It looks cool. I he looks like this director. He looks like 
he's playing like he's a actor playing Bond after Timothy Dalton. Yeah, like those years uh-huh. where you're like, who are these guys? He only made it through yeah. half a movie before he was fired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like dude, Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Timothy Dalton is Bond. Did you? That's so your personality. Timothy Dalton's your favorite Bond. He's, I didn't say that. Daniel Craig's my favorite Bond. Daniel Craig's your favorite yes. Bond. He's the best one. Come on. My favorite Bond's Idris Elba. Is he nice. Bond now? I don't know. Daniel Craig is cool as hell. But Timothy Dalton, dude, he's just a suave, handsome-looking dude. Yeah. He's great. I think my favorite Bond is probably Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my favorite Bond is gold because I got the sweaty balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chafy. <laughs> No, you're right though, James. If I was like when I was 17, I probably would have said that. What? That Timothy, Timothy Dalton was my favorite. I mean, it's just kind of on brand for you. Yeah. I'm a Pierce fan. Pierce, Pierce is Brosnan? great. Yeah. No. He's very. It's. A, it, I it's grew a, up with him. I. Yeah. I can't. You grew up with bond. you and Pierce Brosnan went to school together. Yeah. Yeah. You're old. <laughs> well, he was a mature student at the time. Yeah. He Marky got held Mark. Back 37 <laughs> times. <laughs> Marky Mark's the best bond. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're not having this discourse on this show. I refuse to. Bring this in here. We know all the drama online. Everyone's saying Marky, it's Marky Mark versus Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Van Winkle yeah. is James Bond. <laughs> oh no, he's got a freaking death oh. ray. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bad Baby's the Bond girl. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bad Baby, Marky Mark as James Bond. Bad Baby <laughs> as the lead woman, and then the villain. The Rock is The Rock, yeah, of course. Perfect oh, Bond dude. movie. That's my favorite one. I was gonna say uh, Bill Skarsgård. Oh, okay. as Pennywise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the best crossover. <laughs> and, the, and the title of the movie is "It's Don't Clown on Me." <laughs> Don't let the <laughs> you only clown once tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You only clown once time tomorrow. And Jennifer Hudson does the song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the clown go down on me. <laughs> you only clown once again tomorrow. <laughs> I want a movie poster. For this. Yeah, if you're listening to this right now and you're pretty good with Photoshop, send us. Yeah. You'll be once again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the best Bond movie. Marky, Marky Mark, Mark. Bad Baby. Bad Baby. <laughs> Stars Guard as it. <laughs> we'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Hold and release Brock from their partnership <laughs> the next day. <laughs> pointing out that they had gone to great lengths and expense to try to salvage the lucrative partnership. As the news began to come out about the energy polarizer, more and more rumors began to surface about its requirements, which are honestly hilarious. One, it had to be fitted in the engine bay to the millimeter. Two, it couldn't be swapped from one vehicle to the other, probably because it had to be introduced to the car, meaning that the driver and mechanic would leave it on the bench for an hour, then sit it on the right front guard for 45 minutes before finally attaching it to the firewall this is so dumb this is so dumb 
I mean, that's kind of how you introduce ear, ear uh, AirPods to your iPhone. <laughs> oh, they're getting along. <laughs> uh, six hours of driving time were needed for the best results. Uh, and the printed circuitry was allegedly just a piece of paper with the words, go fast, handle great, written on it. <laughs> oh, I would like to think that this guy, Dowker, and Peter Brock were just like, Nathan Fielder. Uh-huh. Like they're just yeah. like very funny. Yeah. They're trolling Holden. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe he wanted out. Who knows? Um, the print of this printed circuitry was tiny because it was shrunk down by HDT secretary Debbie Thiessen by reducing the photocopy 50 times. While these are ultimately rumors, it didn't change the fact that racing legend Peter Brock had a real stain on his legacy. Peter continued to push the polarizer after his break with Holden, yet no other manufacturer surprisingly had any interest in hearing his theories he did continue racing despite his retirement peter raced with some other makers for a few years notably driving a v8 ford xf falcon gt xp rt rt number two frt xl two in the 1988 oscar series which uh, however his dalliance into speedway racing was brief oh so that was an oval car cool. yeah Auscar is like Nauscar. Auscar, <laughs> Yas Queen. Yaskar, Yaskar. Yaskar. In nineteen ninety-four, the year Dookie came out. <laughs> <laughs> Peter and Holden unceremoniously reunited for three years before Peter retired from racing full time in nineteen ninety-seven. In retirement, Peter made two more returns to Bathurst with Holden, but finished neither race due to car troubles. I guess the molecules weren't aligned. Yeah, it didn't have the instructions with it. Peter Brock died. Well, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Brock died while driving in the Targa West 06 rally in Perth. His 2001 Daytona sports car skidded over 50 meters before crashing into a tree, killing oh, him almost instantly. Wow. Brock was giving a Brock was given a full state funeral by the Australian government. Wow. In 2011, Holden Special Vehicles released the Holden VL Retro Plus Pack Commodore, a fairly direct homage to Peter's failed director, going as far as to unveil the car next to the original. The VL Retro comes equipped standard with an energy polarizer built by ah. Peter's longtime partner, Bev. Come on. All right. They're, this they is... fire him. They cut ties and oh, then... They fired it, yeah. Or they cut ties with him. And then they're like, "Oh, actually, this thing's pretty cool." Actually, he's dead now, so now we're now we're friends. It's yeah. like Mac Miller. That's yeah. Come mm-hmm. on, have some have some freaking standards now. Uh, uh, principles, you know. The wheels are sick though on this thing. I this thing say. rules. Yeah, it's dope. As a driver whose career spanned almost four decades, Peter Brock's status is cemented in Australian racing legacy, and not just in the massive statue of Mount Panorama in Bathurst. His legacy is so symbiotic with Aussie motorsport that it would seem odd if his name did not come up in any conversation about racing. It is also true that his legacy is irrevocably intertwined with the energy polarizer and its very public failure. While categorically dismissing Dr. Feelgood Dowker seems like the right path in the story, it is worth noting that Peter Brock wasn't the only famous Aussie driver who swore by his skills. Uh, Glenn Seaton saw Dowker after a massive crash at Phillip Island in 2000 and credits him with his amazing recovery. Uh, and uh, Dr. Dowker passed away in 2019. 
I can imagine he would have had some interesting thoughts on COVID-19. Probably. Um, weirdly enough, Dowker died the same way as Mufasa. He oh, fell that's what it says on his Wikipedia? Yeah, he fell, he fell a, off a cliff into a stampede of antelope. Uh, uh, oh, man. In front of his son. Wildebeest, right? Yeah, wildebeest. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, his brother betrayed him. <sighs> that, it's really analogous to... Mm-hmm. It's Lion like King. It's really like, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then his son went into hiding because his uncle yeah. was going to kill him. And then he just showed back up. And what? now he's president of Australia. He's hot, too. He's like yeah. a hot yeah. lion guy. He's super now. hot. He's got like a nice middle part. Yeah. Nice middle <laughs> part and great singing voice. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. That's, I mean, great. Good for him. He I mean, ate a lot like, of bugs out there. Yeah. Life imitating art. Oh, weird. He was hanging out with this like fat guy and this little guy. <laughs> this is a real thing though. The statue of Peter Brock uh-huh. has his car. This car is part of the statue too, and it looks like a real car. I've never seen something like that. You never seen a stone car? No. I, I bet <laughs> I haven't either. Sick, it's super That's sick. Sweet. Yeah. Why aren't there more statues that are cars? We need more car statues. Yeah. More car statues. Let's get more car Sorry. statues. Let's get uh Chad and JT on the horn. Yes. Uh, while the story of Peter Brock putting a box of crystals into a race car based on the advice of a chiropractor is too salacious to ignore, the reality is, is that nothing that comes from an echo chamber is likely to succeed regardless of good intentions. Unless you're trying to get echoes for your yeah. recording. <laughs> then you want an echo chamber. Yeah. Like in the Capitol building basement. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's closest peers, <laughs> Peter's closest peers had spent too long agreeing with him. So when the time came to tell some hard truths, they lacked the necessary courage. Those who did disagree were let go as unbelievers. And thankfully, the energy polarizer only led to the fiery crash of a business partnership and not something more tragic. Guys, don't let a chiropractor (laughs) ruin your life. Like, again, it starts with, like, it starts with sound advice. You know, like, we had one of our, like, football doctors on my... In high school, there's no that okay. There's no such thing. Well, you know, like a like I'm a, a football doctor, <laughs> football doctor, but like uh, uh, like Tom Brady is tra- a trainer, football doctor, trainer, okay. Foot- yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tom Brady is a football. He's doctor. He's a doctor of football. Um, <laughs> like he was a chiropractor, and like you know, mm-hmm. a lot of sound of like stretching and like mm-hmm. all the you know, hey, we gotta like if you're feeling sore here, this is what we gotta do. Yeah, like sound advice. Yeah, and then it moves on to like other stuff i know? once got broken up with because um a girl's psychic told her to oh oh that man. sucks yeah it was for the best <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we got some fan mail this week from the chiropractors union of america uh they're saying don't do this episode no um <laughs> so this is from david hey guys believe it or not the brm h16 engine you mentioned in the jackie stewart episode actually did refer to the engine layout, and it's not just the designation. It was essentially two flat eights built one on top of the other, utilizing dual crankshafts. They were very complicated and wildly unreliable. No surprise there. I think Jackie only ever finished like one race using that engine out of 12 or so, and he did say like one race, so David is from California, I have to imagine. (laughs) He's just covering his butt in case it's two. (laughs) Yeah, always cover your butt. gotcha. In some ways, I think it's a shame that current F1 teams don't get to be that imaginative with power unit design in the modern era. 
The old days were filled with variety and unusual designs. David, I have to agree with you. Me too. Um, yeah. Listen to Donut Racing Show if you haven't already. Thanks for writing in, David. Yeah, thank you very much. If you'd like to write into the show, our email is pastgas at donutmedia.com. We also reply to mrsharrystyles at gmail.com. Yeah, he checks that all. No one checks that all the time. Every day. Every day. Waiting for Harry Styles. I even went and saw Don't Worry Darling in hopes that he would... (laughs) How was Send it? me an email. Uh, it was terrible. You were in that, right? <laughs> I was. I was in that. You were right yeah. in the center of all that drama. Yeah. yeah. He actually spit on Chris Pine before <laughs> Harry Styles yeah. did. But that's because he asked me to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> follow the boys at James Humphrey at Joe G Weber. Follow me at Nolan J Sykes. Thank you very much to our producers this week, Christina Felsky, Gavin Kinzel, and our writer this week, Jimmy Pennington. Um, Go throw an energy polarizer in your butt. All right, see ya. Wow, you're going to get sued. Yeah. No one psychs to me to put an energy polarizer in my butt, and I went to the hospital. All right, don't put it in your butt. Energy <laughs> polarizers don't work. You know what does work? Great driving. Or do they? Maybe high car needs an energy polarizer. Maybe it does. You know, willing to try anything at this point. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.